So if you've been here the last several weeks, um, or if you're part of a small group, you may be aware already that we are in week six of an eight-week series on what it means to be a church that doesn't just say, hey, people, come and see what we're doing, but a church that says we need to go and be. We need to be in the community. And so Pastor Eric and I have been preaching on that series. Uh, We've also been reading potentially in small groups what that looks like. If you haven't been at Mountain View, if this is the first time you're watching online, if you're not part of a small group, that's okay because this is still important. This is still things that we need to be aware of. And so what we've been doing is every week there's a theme verse um, or a theme chapter in the small group study. And so Pastor Eric and I have been taking that theme verse and using that to lead some of our preaching. And so if you have your Bibles here, I believe it will be on the screen as well. We're reading from John 15, verses 9 through 17. And so there, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talked to them about a number of things in John. And here we hear Jesus say, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for their friends. You are my friends, says Jesus, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of the Lord. And this is a complicated word of the Lord. As I was reading this this week, I had to read this over and over again. And I would encourage you, if you have Bibles with you or have it on your phone, keep looking at it. Because this is something that as I tried to grasp what was going on, it was complicated. And it's complicated, too, that I didn't choose these verses, but they were part of of this theme. And so I was forced this week to really grasp what was going on in these. We'll get this working a second. There we go. And so it's complicated. And where do you begin with something that looks like this? When you zoom out, it seems like all these moving parts. There's God loving Jesus and Jesus loving us and we're supposed to go love others. And then there's a part about being servants and friends and joy. And where does it start to come together? And as I did that, I used a bit of a practice that some of you might know from small groups. Some of you might know from doing spiritual disciplines, a practice called Lectio Divina. And I'm just going to name that because if you don't know about it, it's a good way to read Scripture. So often, and I was brought up this way too, I read Scripture to read Scripture. 
I had a goal of getting this much scripture read every day, or I wanted to make sure I got this many chapters in a week. And you end up reading just to get it done. Lectio Divina is a practice that you read and ask the Holy Spirit, what are you being taught in this? And so you read a section of scripture. It might end up being one verse. It might be a a few more verses. But you read it, and you ask yourself, and you ask the Holy Spirit to show you what is important in what I am reading today. And when you find something that sticks out, you read it again. And how does that work within this bigger passage? And again you read it, and you just meditate on that section. Your scripture reading will get a lot slower. You will not get many chapters done in a day. But it's a way to take a passage and say, Jesus, what are you trying to tell me in this? And so I had to do that. I had to think in this, where do we begin? Jesus, what are you trying to say in this? And honestly, we're going to start in a very familiar place. So here we go again. Jesus says again, and we've heard it week after week after week, Jesus says, my command is love one another. And if you've ever read the Bible, if you've been here for even one other service, loving one another is no surprise that we're still talking about this. And we're talking about this because it's important. You see it two times blatantly in a lot of other little times in the passage that was read today. And any of you know that when you repeat things, it's not because you just forgot you said it already, although myself, I often do that too, but you repeat things because they're important. You might repeat that in a letter, in an email, in a meeting. Parents, you know you tell your children important things more than once, usually. And if we're going to be faithful to Scripture and all the times that we hear love one another, Pastor Eric and I can't help but continue to preach on that. Love one another, Jesus says, twice here. In other places, when asked the greatest commandment, it's love one another. And so, again, we're going to talk about loving one another. Yeah, we have to. We have to keep remembering that that is a basic and important command of Jesus. Love one another. But we've heard that before. We've heard that again and again, and sometimes when you hear that again and again, it can either get frustrating or you can get tired of it. And so for me, as I was reading this passage, I saw that command. It starts there and it ends there. But I wanted to take a look at some of the other stuff that was happening because I was like, maybe I'm not totally grasping this command. If Jesus thinks we have to keep hearing it again and again and again, then maybe there's more to this that I need to keep discovering. And so I made a couple observations as I was reading this. And the first observation that I made or the Holy Spirit showed me was how drawn in I am to this command language. And I don't know if that's the church I was raised in. Maybe it's the denomination I was raised in. Maybe it was my own family. Maybe it's part of humanity in general. But this command language stuck out to me. It's almost as if when I was reading it, I get to the command and I just stop listening to everything else because I'm like, oh, that must be the really important part. If Jesus is giving a command, I need to listen to that because that's a box that I need to check because if I'm doing that right, then I get to go to heaven or or whatever else reward for doing this command of Jesus. And I end up stopping there. 
I lose sight of some of the rest of what's happening in these passages when all I hear is the command, love one another. I'm not saying that's a bad command. But if Jesus just wanted that command to be here, all he would have said is, love one another, and then moved on to something else. But that's not what's happening here. But I get stuck sometimes just on that command. And then I start to ask, well, if that's the big box I need to check, I need to love other people. Then my questioning right away goes to, well, how am I going to do that? And it's a question I've heard from a lot of you also. How do we love our neighbors? And that's an age-old question. We've asked that over and over. What does it mean to love our neighbors? I think sometimes when we ask that, we might be looking for that 10-step plan of if I'm doing this and this and this, then I'm loving my neighbors, which means I'm checking the big box that Jesus commands, and I'm doing it right. And so we ask, well, how do I love my neighbors if, does that just mean I ignore what they're doing that I think is wrong? Or is loving my neighbors telling them they're wrong if I do it in a loving way? Or is loving my neighbors just doing acts of service? Is there a point where I've loved enough? If I'm older now, can I stop doing all that loving stuff because I've done it and now I can take a break? And we start to ask those questions of how. But I realized in asking those questions of a 10-step plan, if you read this passage again, Jesus actually answers that plan. Love others. Well, how, Jesus? Well, do it how I loved you. And then do it how God loved me. And so we have an answer there. And as I looked at that answer, I started to wonder, do I really want to be asking how? Because I don't know if I like that 10-step plan. First, I have to do my homework and figure out, how did Jesus love me? How does Jesus love me and others? Because if that's the plan, love others as I have loved you, well, we need to know what that is. And when you dig a little deeper, that starts to be uncomfortable. Jesus loved a lot of the people who he wasn't supposed to be around. Jesus loved a lot of the people who were doing things that others wanted to correct out of love. Jesus loved in places where it's uncomfortable. Jesus even gave his life for the people he loved. And I'm supposed to love like Jesus did? And then Jesus says, well, step further, love others as I have loved you, but as God has loved also. And if you know John 3.16, a, a fairly common passage, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Another sense of sacrifice, that would be tough. And he also gave his son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And again, if I'm going to love others and I'm going to do it how this plan says to do it, then Jesus is saying condemnation of others isn't the answer, but saving the world is. And so as I asked that question of how, and I thought in my mind I was looking for the plan, and I realized that, well, God says to do it like this, a new sense of a how question came in my mind. I was realizing the how I'm looking for isn't the 10-step plan because we have it. The how I was wondering was a deeper one. And maybe in your hearts, when you ask, well, how am I supposed to do this? You're not asking just for a plan, although that seems like it would be easier. Maybe you're also asking, how would I ever be able to do this? 
And for me, an analogy to help sort that out, and I'm going to go to sports again because that's what I do. Um, if you were playing soccer, and I'm going to pick Brazil. Brazil has been traditionally a powerhouse in soccer. And I came to you and said, hey, you and a few of your friends are going to play against Brazil's soccer team, and you need to win. You would probably say, Pastor Peter, how are we going to win? And I'd be like, oh, you need a plan? Well, you need to put the ball in their net, and you need to do that more times than they put the ball in your net. There's your plan. You've got it. You know how to beat Brazil's soccer team. But then you still probably haven't got to what your heart is really at wanting to know. How am I ever going to be able to do that? And that's a different question of how. That's a humility question. That's asking that I don't think I'm good enough, or I don't know that I'm totally adequate. I know in soccer that would be the case for me playing against Brazil, say. But we might ask that also of, God, I'm not just asking how to love my neighbor. I'm asking how am I ever going to do that as you loved me? I don't know if I feel up to that. And so as we go through that, and the slides are one ahead of where I wanted to be, but that's okay. We're looking at, thank you, we're looking at the question of how. And I think I want to do that by looking at three of the ways Jesus answers the deeper how question in this passage. And then also three invitations. As I'm doing my schooling, and maybe as you've learned, a good sermon has three points. But if I figured if I have two sets of three points, this is going to be amazing. So here, here we go. And so looking at three different ways that Jesus answers that deeper how, and then three invitations towards that complete joy that Jesus talks about. So how are we ever going to be able to love others? Not the plan, but the how. The first answer Jesus gives in this passage is in, you are chosen. Jesus says, you are able to love others because I chose you and appointed you and equipped you. The how of loving others depends on where the starting point is. Jesus chose you. And Jesus highlights that by saying, again, you didn't choose me. Stop thinking that. I chose you. That's how you can start. And the people listening to Jesus would have been like, that's a little weird for him to say that. Jesus was seen as a teacher, as a rabbi, and in Jewish tradition, it was the disciples who chose who their rabbi would be. And Jesus is saying, that's not the order we're doing things in here. I am choosing you. You are with me. And when we look deeper at the people that Jesus chose, we do not see a bunch that were necessarily qualified in our language for being chosen by Jesus. We see a bunch of people who made mistakes and who had questions and who didn't know some of what we might call the basic answers to basic questions. But Jesus is saying, I didn't wait for you to know all that stuff and then wait for you to choose me. Jesus says, I chose you and appointed you. And so that's the first answer there that Jesus gives. Yeah, the command is big, love one another, but you can do it because I chose you. And I chose you not as servants. And if we're really going to translate what the Greek says there for servants, the word is slaves. 
And our translators tend to back away from that language. There's a terrible history of slavery. And so servants kind of captures it a little and is tamer. But Jesus is here saying, I did not choose you to be slaves for me. I chose you, and I chose you to be friends. And that's the second way that Jesus answers that question of how. The answer is in being called friends. And that's a big change in how you see things. Because slaves do things because they're told to do things. Slaves do things to find favor for in their masters. Masters have owned slaves, and again, a, a terrible history there. But masters have owned slaves to do things that they don't want to do, and to do things so that those masters don't have to do them. And Jesus is saying, that's not why I'm commanding you to love others. You are my friends. And you're my friends because you know where I'm headed with this. You know where I'm going. You know I'm doing it with you. You're not a slave doing this on your own for me. You're a friend doing it with me. And that's why I asked the kids earlier, what do you do with your friends? How do you communicate with friends? When friends ask you, hey, do this, you want to do that because typically your friends are the people who you have some of the same interests. You see some of the things the same way. You have fun when you're doing things together. And Jesus says the only way you can love one another is by knowing that you are friends with me. And if we're going to be slaves, that's a whole different feeling of loving one another, of I need to do this because Jesus commanded, and it's a pretty big command, versus, oh, I'm doing this with Jesus because we're seeing some things the same way and we're excited to do this and I know the end goal. And so if you've been asking, how do we love one another? One of the answers is, you are a friend of Jesus. Friends hang out together. Friends do these things together. Friends support each other. You're not doing this command in order to be a friend. You're doing this with the starting point as a friend. And then the last way that Jesus addresses the question of how, how are we going to love one another as Jesus loved us? The answer is just there. Jesus loves us. And I think this is the part of the command I often skip. Like I said earlier, I just see the command and I see the love one another. And then I see this part tacked on as I have loved you. And for me, sometimes in my stress on command language, I just think, oh, love one another as I have done this. It's almost like a, this is the way and you have to do it this well. But Jesus isn't saying that here. This part that's on the end is a comforting part. You love others as I have loved you. Jesus wants to hear the, I have loved you. He wants us to hear that. Because again, just like the other parts of being friends and being chosen, it starts with Jesus loving you. When I was thinking about this, it's almost like a big experiment of paying it forward. I don't know if you've been in a, a drive through line. Um, I was going to mention Tim Hortons, but they're not sponsoring me for this, but we'll, we'll use that anyway. If you've been in Tim Hortons, sometimes you might get to the window where you have to pay for your coffee, and uh, the person there says, hey, this coffee is free because the person in front of you did it for you. Do you want to do that for the people behind you? 
And this is what Jesus is saying here too. God has loved me. I have loved you. And because of that, you can love others. We're not starting the pay it forward chain here. We can only do this in realizing that we are loved by Jesus. And Jesus says this time and time again in this passage. I have loved you in verse 9. Remain in my love in verse 9 again. 10 says remain in my love. Verse 12 says I have loved you. Jesus is not shying away from the fact that he loves us. And from there, we can go and love others. So if you're going to ask how, how can we ever hope to love our neighbors as Jesus loved us? It's in the recognizing that we are loved and going from there. And then I want to point out verse 9 and 10. You see it behind me or on the bottom of your your screen if you're at home. The remain in my love. It's a simple sentence, but again, one that I kept skipping over. I just want to point to that word, remain in my love. Jesus doesn't say, come join my love. Jesus doesn't say, do this and earn my love. Jesus says, remain in my love. And we need to hear that language of, we are already loved by Jesus, and from that we love others. We don't love others so that we are loved by Jesus. And if you don't believe me, Augustine had um, a great quote, and if you don't know who Augustine is, then believe me, I guess. But Augustine says, it's not that we keep God's commandments first, and then that he loves us but it's that we keep his commandments, or that we love others and keep, I'm getting this wrong, it is not that we keep his commandments first and that then he loves us, but that he loves us, there we go, and then we keep his commandments. That is the grace which is revealed to the humble but hidden from the proud. Again, that humility of I can only do this because this is first done for me. And if you don't believe me or Augustine, then let's look at what Jesus said specifically to this. If you have your Bibles open, it's the section right above or before what we read, where Jesus talks about a vine and a branches. And I kind of laughed as I typed up this slide of how to grow grapes, because I realize I'm in a region that I'm not from, and that probably a lot more of you know about this than I know. But in this passage about a vine and branches, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, bear fruit. And I know enough about vines and branches and grapes that it doesn't go, you're a branch, bear some fruit, and then I'm going to put you on the vine. That's not how it works. Jesus isn't asking us to be branches that bear fruit so that we can be part of the vine. Jesus isn't telling us, love one another so that you are loved by me. Jesus isn't saying, slave away at this so that you can be my friend. It starts with the vine, it continues with branches, and it bears fruit. Jesus says, I have loved you. Go and love others. If I'm wrong about grapes, talk to me afterwards. But it starts with the vine. And I want to end with three invitations. And I hope it's three invitations that that come out of what Jesus is saying in this passage and kind of encompass everyone who is here or watching. 
And the first invitation that I see in our reading today is the come experience love. If you don't know who Jesus is, if you haven't experienced that love, if you're wondering about this, if you're looking for a friendship, Jesus says all of that is here and starts with me. Come experience that love and that friendship. If you feel like you're on the outside, you are not. You are chosen, says Jesus. You are loved. Jesus offers friendship. And Jesus says that this is a step towards joy and a step towards complete joy. Jesus says, come know that you are loved. We'll get to the command, we'll get to loving others, but you need to know that you are loved so that you can do this. The second invitation, and, and this is where I would probably lump myself in, the second invitation is to those of you who might know Jesus, might know a lot about Jesus, might know these commands and know the how-tos even of this command. To you, to us, Jesus says, come experience friendship. Maybe some of us are too focused just on the command to love. Maybe we're doing it as slaves so that we can be friends. And Jesus says, stop. He doesn't say, stop loving others. That's not where I'm going, because Pastor Eric will stand up and say, wait a minute. Jesus isn't saying, stop loving others, but Jesus is saying, stop doing it so that. Stop doing it so that you're my friend, or so that you are loved. Come experience friendship. And out of that, experience a deeper joy in which to go love others. How do we love others? By accepting that invitation into experiencing friendship. Slow down. Stop slaving away at the commands. And do it as friends with Jesus. Accept that invitation. And lastly, an invitation to share your experiences. An invitation for those who know fully that they are part of the vine, who know that joy, who have experienced that love and that friendship of God. If that is the place you are in, the rest of us need you to share that love. Jesus says, when you are part of the vine, when you are a branch, go and bear fruit. And the invitation is for those of you who know the love of Jesus, go and bear fruit. Share that fruit with those who are searching. Share that fruit because you are part of a vine. It's great to be somewhere and feel comfortable and all cuddled up and cozy and loved by God. But God says that's not the end goal. The end goal is out of that, I want more people to feel this. So that invitation, if you are searching, if you are needing the friendship side, if you know this, we are invited to act on these things. Jesus calls all of us towards joy. And the joy will only be complete, Jesus says, when you know my love so much that you are also sharing that love with others. That's the complete joy. So hear those invitations. We are all invited to participate as friends in what it means to love one another. We're invited to participate in friend, as friends with what Jesus is doing. We hear that challenging command to love others. But in it, we also need to hear that there is complete joy in doing that with Jesus. The question isn't always how to do it, the plan. 
but why we do it and who we do it with. We follow Jesus' example. We're doing it for, we're not doing it for Jesus as slaves. We're doing it with Jesus as friends. Come experience that friendship of God. And out of that place, start to discover the how we actually can even begin to love others. Love one another, commands Jesus, as I have loved you. Don't forget either part of that. Amen. Join me in prayer as we ask Jesus to continue to hit us over the head with that love others, but also hit us over the head with that I have loved you. Please join me in prayer. Jesus, we confess that a lot of the time we might do things or hear commands from you and realize we are doing them so that we are loved or so that we are friends. Jesus, overwhelm us with a sense of understanding that you already love us. You already chose us. We are remaining in a love that we are already in. And as you overwhelm us with that sense of being called and chosen and dearly loved, may we be branches who bear fruit. May we be those who in that friendship go and make friends with others. May we be those who are so joyful that we make our joy and your joy complete by continuing to share that with those around us. And Lord, where we are hesitant and where we question some of the, the how of how to love others, please real, help us realize that we are never doing it alone. We do that as friends of yours. Thank you for that reminder. Help us to feel it and help us to live in it. In your name we pray. Amen.